Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human and cetacean listeners. Greetings. What? Uh, One second, Ben. Um, In case you didn't know, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and I suppose Ben also has a a thesaurus on hand. Um, We're always checking out the latest things going on in the automotive industry, and we have a lot of really funky stuff to talk to you about. Um, Some fun, compact cars and a really interesting comparison. So I'm going to throw it to Ben, who already threw me off with uh, with that greeting. And he's going to talk to you a little bit about the Hyundai Accent. Did you get a Did you get a drive in that thing or what? <laughs> that thing, uh, yeah. I, I last week, I actually this week, come to think of it, I was in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, to drive the new redesigned 2018 Hyundai Accent, and um, it's kind of interesting. You know, a lot of car companies are backing away from small cars. Have you noticed that, Sammy? Uh, because mainly because they want to invest in like crossovers or subcompact crossovers. It's like, it seems like they take what they already made with the, com- with the subcompacts and then put a better ride height on it and said, boom, we've got a new car now. Yes. And then the poor subcompact is left like, what about me? Well, few people, fewer and fewer people are buying smaller cars. Actually, fewer and fewer people are buying cars of any kind. I think this month is the first time, or if, if you look at like a year ago or three years ago, something like that, there's been a 10 to 12% increase in crossover and SUV sales. And that's, I think, pushing it just over the 50% mark. So yeah. uh, car companies looked at that and said, we need a piece of it. And since they can't do everything, they have to make choices in their lineup. And one of those choices that they've made is that smaller cars are kind of being de-emphasized. And I was surprised and pleased with the 2018 Accent to see (laughs) that in in some ways, Hyundai's bucking the trend. Where they're saying, you know what, people, there's still enough people out there who are going to buy a small car, basic transportation. We're not going to shortchange them. But in a few other ways, there are some nods to the fact that crossovers are taking over. That was uh, that's really interesting. So you just told me. First of all, I'm really impressed by the amount of percentages you're bringing to this podcast. I mean, completely I never unverifiable we, percentages. <laughs> I never knew that we were a percentages podcast, but uh, we're, we've got percentages to talk about. Unnamed um, percentages. Real journal. About. In case you were wondering if we're real journalists, Ben has brought the percentages. We are 100% real journalists according to the percentage uh, rating index. I do every podcast with a slide rule. <laughs> I've noticed. I really have. And an abacus. <laughs> that's slowing you down a little bit i've noticed yeah well it's quality not quantity okay and then um i love that you're telling me that they uh, they're de-emphasizing um they're de-emphasizing small cars and how are they going to showcase that by bringing you to vegas and checking out the hyundai accent they're still well, letting you drive it right <laughs> you know the, the, i think the only reason we were in vegas is because it coincided with the sema show oh uh, right which i was able to avoid because I had another commitment immediately after. I, I'm not dissing SEMA in any way, but I've been several times, and it's enormous and overwhelming. And um, it's something you only need to experience just a few times before you're kind of like, yeah, okay, I get it. There's a lot of there's a lot of chrome wheels out there. There's there's a lot of candy paint. Uh, my favorite part of SEMA is always the car, the SEMA outside, which is where you see individual people and shops showing off their cars. I think that's really cool. I'm not so interested in row after row of stereo equipment, but that's just me. Anyway, the the drive route that we took from Vegas mm-hmm. went through something called the Valley of Fire, which is actually my first time there. It's a it's a national park uh, near Death Valley, 
and well not quite near death valley but in the same general region it's very beautiful lots of red rocks and the roads are for the most part perfectly smooth i mean you're out in the desert it's uh you you drive about 45 minutes outside of las vegas to get there and um very very different from my day-to-day which is in the city in montreal where roads are absolutely horrible so uh all this to say that yeah this this car the hyundai accent of which um there's basically one flavor you can get there's uh it's a 130 horsepower 1.6 liter four-cylinder engine which as sandy pointed out before the podcast it echoes kia's decision to uh, on the same platform, Kia builds the what's, – what's the name of the car, Sammy? The Rio? The Rio, yeah. And they've backed away from the, – the previous engine was 138 horsepower. So they've kind of they've kind of slowed things down a little bit. And uh, Hyundai's done the same thing with the Accent. Uh, it comes with either a six-speed manual transmission if you buy the base car, but every other version comes with a six-speed automatic, which is a pretty good transmission. You get um, cloth seats the whole way through. There's no leather at all. You can get leather on the steering wheel and the shifter in the top tier car, but everything else, forget about it. And uh, you, there's a couple different touchscreens. There's a five five inch one that's really really basic, and then there's a pretty nice seven inch one that comes with like Apple CarPlay and Android Auto and all that oh, stuff. Oh, so it's not like standard. That no, that no, oh, which is that's all, a it, bummer. It is a little bit of a bummer. It's not unusual in small cars like this, but I think the Spark. If you look at cars yeah. like the Chevy Spark, I think that comes with the the my whatever it's called. Was yeah, it MyLink. She- my Chevrolet MyLink. I think that's standard across the board, and MyLink's pretty mm-hmm. good. And it comes with that. I know you have a you have some reservations about Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, but it, I think it's better than a bare bones um, audio system. Like yeah, a, I think really I think classic. they're I think they're garbage, but I think that some people would probably prefer that to like the monotone uh, AM FM no XM satellite radio touchscreen that's in the base car. We drove a base car for okay. the first half of the day, and I, I will say this: the base car drives fine. Uh, yeah. It's it's slow off the line, but when you're once you're cruising, once you're on the highway, you can pass people. There's no problem. I mean, I never really felt like I was in danger. We, <laughs> let me back that up. When you're driving around this part of Vegas, there's a ton of RVs, and mm-hmm. they tend some of the roads around the parks. They're not like the straight desert roads you took to get there, so they're twisty, and you have to get around these RVs because they're going super slow and they're towing like six you know geo uh, trackers behind them. It's just it's it's tedious and um <laughs> that's a lot of geo trackers it is stacked on top of each other <laughs> anyway the the uh Elantra, sorry i was gonna say elantra the accent was pretty good at getting out of its own way and the only thing i really had to complain about was you know the, the stereo system being pretty bare bones um and the fact that the car's a little noisy at highway speeds Okay, well, it's just kind of to be expected in a in a subcompact car because maybe they don't spend as much money on no, on sound insulation. I yeah, suppose it's it's a cheap car. I mean, I, when I say cheap, I mean price wise. I don't mean build quality. It's you're looking at fourteen thousand dollars for the base model, and uh, it's going to be around eighteen thousand fully kitted out. So that's wow. Very... Okay, wow, that's really neat. That um, a fully loaded model sw- still swings in under twenty grand. Yes, well, I mean they have to be careful, right? I mean, if if you price the the accent too high, people are just going to buy an Elantra, which is a better car mm-hmm. uh but it's not necessarily the car for everybody if you want something that's small like the accent that's easy to park and and has a you know a sub 15k buy-in for the base model if you're just looking for a commuter 
it's it's a it's a good choice. But you know, we were talking uh, about how the car has less power than it did the year before. It also mm-hmm. has fewer features uh, mechanically. If you if you buy the base car and even the mid trim car, I believe, mm-hmm. you you don't get uh drum brake you, you get drum brakes in the back instead of discs. And it right. used to be when you bought the Accent, you got discs everywhere. Discs inside the car, outside the car, all four wheels, <laughs> moonroof discs. Diff. Just so many discs. You've got your own little disc spinning discs. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I said the same thing about the Rio, the base car no longer has, um, disc brakes and has drum brakes, but I think the mid grade one immediately gets, um, discs. So what Kia did was they offered more standard equipment as, as a result, um, with the, with the money that they're saving, I guess, in terms of mechanical equipment. What was it? What was interesting was when, when Hyundai talked about there being drum brakes in the back, they, they, they uh, qualified it by saying, as is customary in this segment of yeah. the industry. <laughs> Which is a shame because, like I said, um, in the past, the Hyundai Accent and the Kia Rio, I guess they just – they're not popular. But to me, they were some of my favorite subcompact cars because they had a ton of power. Well, not a ton, but I think they had the most power in the class. Now they're on par with uh, everybody else. I think they have the same amount of horsepower as the Honda Fit. There's one and, other there's one other area where the car's been decontented as well. I, I don't know if decontented is the word because it's not like it had this before, but other cars in the in the segment do have access to some of this technology, and that's when it comes to active safety. So oh yeah I, yeah. I, so if you buy a, an a, an accent, first of all, in the U.S. there's no options packages. There's mm-hmm. just three trim levels, and that's what you get. Okay. So if you want any kind of active safety at all, you have to buy the top trim level, which I believe is called limited. If you mm-hmm. buy the limited. <laughs> You get unlimited uh, equipment. No, you actually only get forward braking, emergency oh, forward great. braking. There's no blind spot monitoring. There's no lane departure warning. There's no anything else, which is kind of a little weird. Mm-hmm. Like, don't don't you think? I, I I mean, we're kind of in an era where blind spot monitoring almost feels like it has to be standard equipment. And yeah, if it's absolutely. not standard equipment, it has to be there somewhere. Like you have to be able to buy a version of the car that has it. And and you can't get that with the accent at all. And I Did think re- that's an that's an example of them that and the the drum brakes where they're backing away from investing in this platform. Right, totally. And like I said, it, it, the car used to be able used to be very could be equipped very well, uh, could feel a little premium and uh, could have quite a lot of cool stuff, especially for its class. And now they're kind of walking away from that, at least in in North America, I suppose. And so it, talk it, to me. It, the, it looks nice. I mean, you get does. LED lights little, front and rear. Yeah, it looks a little like a tiny little Ionic, which is kind of cool, right? <laughs> is that the maybe Ionic or maybe more like the Elantra? I guess I don't know. I, I, yeah, more like the Elantra because I mean the Ionic is a hatchback, right? And that's that's the other shoe that's going to drop for the accent. Um, no more hatchbacks in the United States. And they say that is it is it is it coming to Canada? Maybe it is coming to Canada. It's going to come okay. later. But uh, if you're American and you wanted a hatchback accent, you're out of luck. You have Three, to get a Kia. <laughs> you have to get a Kia. Three out of every four accents was a sedan in the previous generation so um the final way that hyundai is kind of this this is where when i was alluding to how in some ways they are taking crossovers into account they're going to push those those customers who would have bought a hatchback version of the accent into some other type of hatchback like maybe the ionic or maybe a, a cheaper crossover that's going to be coming out. Um, yeah, the, the Kona maybe. The Kona is a great yeah. place where them they can push it. It depends. Obviously, the prices will be different. There's going to be no thirteen thousand, fourteen thousand dollar Kona, mm-hmm. but 
Kona is not going to be super expensive either. So this is a kind of a funnel that they've created where they can say, well, the price differential is not that big. Plus, you can get all wheel drive. Plus, you can get this and that. And before you know it, you've spent $10,000 more than you'd planned. <laughs> yeah. And you're driving home in an SUV. So this class is really is really weird. Um, subcompact crossovers that aren't I mean, sub, sorry, subcompact cars that aren't hatchbacks. Um, what other ones are there that are like worth mentioning? I would say the new new Toyota Yaris or Mazda 2. It's, I think it's the Toyota Yaris. Um, they don't sell the Mazda 2 anymore, do they? I I don't think so. No, not in the United States anyway. It, so the, Mazda, the Mazda 2 is essentially, I mean, the Toyota Yaris IA, I think it's called now. Is the Sonic still available as a sedan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And is, does the Sonic, um, is, is the Spark available as a sedan? No. And the Versus sedan, I think, is still available. Okay, yeah. So the Versus sedan is probably the most direct competitor to the Accent. And certainly when I was um, when I was in Nevada, you saw a lot of rental Accents and a lot of rental uh, Versus. They were everywhere. Yeah, that seems like an awkward thing to, to see when you're on the, the driving program, right? It, it kind of, of it was rental. fitting, though, because it was like we were tourists in Vegas. <laughs> and we rented a car for the day to just go out to Lake Mead and do all that, that fun touristy stuff. So that made sense. I mean, I, I I came away with a positive impression of the car. Mm-hmm. At that segment of the market, what do you have? What are your expectations really? I want it to be comfortable. I want it to feel like it was solidly built, and I wanted to get decent gas mileage. I think this gets 32 combined, which is is pretty good for the price. That's pretty paying. good. I would uh, I would expect um, nobody wants to be in a car that feels like a um, an entry level car. I think that's the, one of the more important things. So um, I would have been looking at like materials and um, and fit and finish, as you mentioned. So if this is if this is good enough to live with, if you know you're you're a young adult and this is one of your first cars, this I mean, if it feels, you know, if it doesn't feel like a like a cheap car, it doesn't feel like you compromise. That's a that's a win. You know, and I want to contrast it against another very inexpensive car that I've been driving this week, and mm-hmm. that's the the Nissan Micra. Oh right. So the Micra, I, the Micra's not available in the United States. Okay, so sorry, U.S. listeners. Sorry, American listeners. We're going to talk about something that you might not find well, relevant, or maybe you you like it a lot that you might complain enough to Nissan and say bring this thing to the U.S. Well, yeah. See, that's my apology is more like I'm sorry that you don't get to drive this car because it's excellent. It's a it's mm-hmm. a really great in Canada. I believe it's available for less than ten thousand dollars. Yeah, so, I think a five or under ten. So it's a it's a four door hatchback that's very very basic. It competes against the Accent and the and the uh, the Versa and the Mitsubishi Mirage. So this is kind of funny. The Mirage, when it was on sale in Canada initially, was priced at like three thousand dollars more than the than the uh, Micra. And then when the Micra came in, the quality differential between the two cars was so huge, and the price difference was so vast that Mitsubishi had to slap like a three thousand dollar incentive on the car to keep people buying it. Right. But the reason I'm bringing up the Micra is because the Micra is a well-built car as well. But it's also significantly cheaper, and you see that in the content. So the car that I drove, and I'm actually still drive, still in my driveway, I have roll-up windows. Okay. I have no power door locks, which is okay until you try to put something in the back seat from and the you. outside. <laughs> it's so <laughs> annoying. You have to reach in and find it on the door panel. It's not even a pop-up lock where you can just like reach over and, and grab it from the top of the door panel. Right. Anyway, but it's it's a five-speed manual transmission, a small four-cylinder. I think it's a four-cylinder engine. Yep. And it, um, it drives great. It drives comfortably, but it's noisier, it's smaller, and it feels like it was built to a price which is fine because 
Uh, again, it doesn't feel cheap. It just feels like a $10,000 car. You compare that to the Accent, and the Accent is in a different league. Okay. It is a much more comfortable car. It is a much it's it's larger in all the ways that count. The interior volume actually qualifies it as a compact according oh, to nice. the EPA. Wow. Yeah, and um, the materials are just nicer overall. So it, it's it's clear that uh, Hyundai knows exactly what they're doing when they're building this car. This is not a cynical uh, let's sop up the bottom end of the market car. This is a it's it's a real option for someone who's on a tight budget but wants a brand new vehicle. So what's really cool is when you bring up the Micra, to me, the Micra has this fantastic driving feel. It has a really tight driving feel, which is not completely expected in um, subcompact cars. But you're right. The the door panels feel super like like um, like flimsy and some of the, the parts just like don't feel as higher grade as uh, other subcompact cars. But the driving experience truly is one of the things I'm always looking forward to in a Micra. It is pleasant to drive. Um, I'm going to take over now if you don't mind i had a comparison between two mid-sized sedans i know it's really interesting that we're constantly talking about sedans in this podcast sedans are so exciting and they're not they're not the hotness right right now right like everyone's going nuts for crossovers but i had these mid-sized sedans and i think everyone who listens to this podcast would probably agree people who buy mid-sized sedans especially the toyota camry the honda accord the the hyundai sonata the ford fusion stuff like that they have these cars for a really long time like hundreds of thousands of miles or over 10 years and so they're still pretty important vehicles i mean i don't know if i've ever seen a crossover with that much mileage or or age on it just yet do you think so that's I- I had a I, I used to date a girl whose parents lived in Cornwall, which is a town that's about an hour and a half outside of Montreal, mm-hmm. and her father worked in Montreal. So every day he would drive to Montreal and then back to Cornwall. And in like three years, he had a, a Rav Four, and he had <laughs> two hundred and fifty thousand kilometers on it in like two or three years or something. <laughs> that was, is a lot. Yeah, it was so much that. Um, uh toyota gave him like free oil changes for the rest of his life he he, he had a he, he i think one of his um suvs ended up at four hundred thousand kilometers in like a five-year period it was pretty nuts that is nuts um but I, i'll jump right back into the comparison that i had i have the brand new toyota camera and i had the v6 version the xle v6 version and i compared that to the hyundai sonata 2.0 t um with all of the trimmings which i think is called a limited package as well um, and I came away actually really, um, I, it, it, I had a very odd conclusion. Usually when you do one of these comparisons, you see the newest car and that's the one with the newer platform, the newest technology, um, easily steal the win from something that's just been refreshed recently. And that's what happened with the Sonata. And in this case, the Camry is, uh, is a very, um, completely redone car has new platform has new engines uh new transmissions and it looks wild too while the sonata is a pretty significant refresh of the last generation product so i was expecting the camry to just mop the floor with the sonata and the absolute opposite happened um and it really blew me away it was really surprising to me when toyota drops the ball because they they feel like they've been doing camrys forever and for them to to miss uh, a few really important steps kind of kind of bothered me so when you say drops the ball do you mean that the camry is not a good car or it's just not as good a car as the sonata it's not as good of a package in total as the sonata so like that's i, I don't want to maybe i'm over exaggerating a little bit because the the new camry is really good first of all they've really upped the the styling portion of it uh i don't know if it's if it's good looking it's definitely sto- uh, polar, polarizing and uh and eye-catching 
Uh, mine had this uh, bizarre grill. The XLE models have this really interesting grill with several blades on it that make it look like a Gillette razor, like a, a parody Gillette razor with like 20 blades on it. It looks ridiculous. Is that what people want? Is <laughs> they want they want to drive around a Gillette Mach 5? I guess. Um, but the interior styling is really well done. Um, really modern looking. There's like an asymmetrical infotainment display. There's real stitching in the the dash and on the seats. There's even quilted stitching on the steer on the seats as well. And how about those heated seat dial buttons? That's that's taking me right back to early 2000s Subaru in that car. That's really interesting. My XLE model didn't have that. That had buttons um, with three little like dots, and they're really oddly. They're like very widely spaced. It looked really bizarre. Like the it's, dots. The it's level. honestly terrible. It's just <laughs> I don't get that at all. Like most of the rest of the interior is fairly well executed, except uh, for the font salad on the center stack. But yeah, you mentioned that there's quite a few uh, fonts on the on the center stack. I'll also mention at night when the car is uh, is just like illuminating um, the bare bones of the of the gauge cluster it looks totally like tron like all of these things are are it has the the controls it would be like um radio and then it would underneath it is the button for it and it's like highlight it's like highlighted or illuminated like a circle and it looks like it's straight out of tron it looks so bizarre um the camry also comes with uh, the usual suite of technology uh adaptive cruise control blind spot monitoring all that jazz um, their adaptive cruise control system is really relaxed and slow to adapt to changing conditions. And uh, the smallest setting, the shortest setting of distance between you and the car in front of you still is got, has got to be like two and a half or three car lengths. And people are just cutting you off constantly. Um, <laughs> and that sucks. That really is not what you want. in a. And then as a result, the car slows down and, and, and you end up not going anywhere for a while. Um, and I really was disappointed with that. What I did like is the new V6 engine. This uses direct import injection. This is techno this is Toyota's D4S technology. It has 300 horsepower, 267 pound-feet of torque. Um, all of that power though comes very smoothly in the higher end of the of the rev range, which means if you really want to get going, you have to wind it out, um, which is weird for a Camry. You don't really want to do that. And no one's really doing that anyway, I don't think. Right. I mean, I mean maybe when you're you passing a, someone. Yeah, if you need to make a pass or merge with them um, on highway speeds, yeah. Um, you're going to be stepping on it. But what's cool about the Camry is it's really well insulated in terms of sound. Um, it's it's really smooth in that in that regard. Um, the transmission is my problem, a huge problem actually. It uh, changes gears completely irrationally. It almost never will change its gear until you're at the bottom of the pedal travel on the on the throttle, um, and then it changes gear and then ramps up the 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 throttle input right like. It just and then it just fires you off and it's super uncomfortable. And you just want to keep up with traffic rather than losing ground. I, I didn't actually notice that when I drove the the Camry. And further than that, actually, this also like every time it changed gears, sometimes it did it really abruptly and harshly, and it was very clumsy. Um, and I was really not impressed with that aspect. How, how many well. speeds is the transmission? This is an eight speed, so I believe that, this is new for Toyota to use in their um, in their in the Camry. Do they have it in any – is it the same transmission you get with the four-cylinder version of the car? I'm not 100% sure. I can you, can you get it elsewhere from Toyota? Again, I can't confirm that. I, it seems brand new to me. I don't think I've ever seen um, another V6 vehicle. Maybe the Avalon would have a V6 and a and a 8-speed, but I'm not sure. Okay. Um, 
that's where the car really slows down for me. Um, the the technology just doesn't seem as fully refined. It doesn't offer Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. Toyota just does not want to get on board with that stuff. Well, they have uh, their display audio, right? That's their that's their thing. Yeah, and their infotainment system is actually quite responsive and really attractive looking. But I just wish it had those those features that you get with uh, with your smartphone. Um, and it drives pretty. It drives pretty sedately. There's nothing too exciting or impressive about it. Uh, as as well, I don't know if you, I showed you some photos of some really weird aligning uh, trim. And again, I was just really surprised at what Toyota has delivered with this car. It's, it's just underwhelming in in the typical Toyota from the typical Toyota expectations that we have for them, which is a solidly built, high quality car. Uh, and this is still a high quality car. It just has some really small teething issues to deal with. And I can I can imagine that they'll probably fix that real quickly. Really it's, quick. it's just, you know, I had a much more positive impression of the car. I drove pre-production car versions of the car, I want to say six months ago okay. at, at the launch event. And I didn't have as much of, of a beef uh, with the vehicle as you did. Okay. Well, I, mean, I, I agree. I definitely agree with you on certain points, especially in terms of like fit and finish and trim and whatnot. Um, but I, I found it to be a comfortable car. Uh, I drove reasonably well, and and mm-hmm. it, you know, it's it's eye catching, if not attractive, to look at. I like I said, I don't know if I can call it attractive, but it is eye catching. And it, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned how. I mean, the handling is quite good. The car feels like a big car. The steering is really heavy for this this class of car. I wasn't expecting that. Maybe Toyota is changing its mindset about how to deliver steering feel. Um, but it was on on. Very, very oddly heavy when it's, when I'm used to a light uh, steering feel. Something that you want to, um, you want to feel comfortable with at all times. Now, did what, you, you, you've laid out a litany of I don't know if I call them complaints, but issues you have with the car. Are these things that you found because you compared it to the Sonata, or are these things you think you would have noticed just if you'd only had the Camry for a week? Yeah, so I'll I'll get to talking about the Toyota as well, uh, I mean to the about the Sonata. Just let me finish up one more thing. Um, as well in the back seat. Now the car says they they it has as much headroom or as the Sonata and more legroom, but it never felt that way. Like you ever get into a car and you're like, no, that measurement they are the way they're measuring that just can't be um, legit. My head is almost touching the 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 roof in the Camry, and uh, is is it, I have a lot of headroom in the Sonata, so I'm trying to figure out where the discrepancy is. It just felt less comfortable. There's also a really flimsy armrest in the back, and I don't know if armrests, rear armrests, are a buying decision for anybody. But when it's like limp and gimpy, it just is a weird um, experience. <laughs> now I think you're I, I think you're starting to pick nits here. Okay, then let me talk about the Sonata, which is limp has, and gimpy armrests. <laughs> limp and gimpy armrests. Um, let me talk about the Sonata. Um, it has been pretty heavily refreshed this year. Um, it gets a 2.0 turbocharged engine under the hood. It makes 245 horsepower and 260 pound-feet of torque. Now, both of those numbers are below the Toyota's numbers, but the way that the turbocharged engine delivers that torque almost immediately. Um, in the rev range and all that power is available a little bit sooner makes the car feel more natural and easier to drive in everyday driving situations you don't have to change gears all the time like you like the toyota is always managing to do and stumbling on itself um and the and the sonata just feels like more confident to drive all the time um so i was really surprised with i was really happy with that the one aspect that i was not happy with the sonata in in regards to his powertrain is it sounds like a it sounds like the launcher sport like it actually has like a rumble to it and that's really juvenile i don't think that mid-sized sedan buyers really would want that 
it maybe it adds personality, but maybe it just like the car just ends up sounding. Well, did you did you have a version of the car that's somehow more sport oriented? I mean, I believe the 2.0T is called the the 2.0T Sport and then limited model. So I don't know. I don't think it had any particular sport trim, like special trim. It's not like I had you know spe- more special functions or more power or stiffer suspension um, mm. because the way the car drove was really. Um, um, natural feeling, uh, really accommodating. It was on par with the Toyota in terms of handling feel. Um, the steering was a tiny bit lighter and the different drive modes really changed the setting, the, the driving settings, uh, sorry, the steering settings and the way the throttle responds. So I felt, you know, like that was doing much more. Um, the adaptive cruise control and the other, um, driving assistance features seemed more, um, relaxed or appropriate. So let me, let me bring up the lane keep assist in the Camry even if you're not touching the lane if you're just getting close to it it starts freaking out it starts warning you in the Sonata it it's it tells you when you're about to cross the line uh, or when you are crossing the line it does it with a very subtle um beeping it's not annoying you for for no reason in fact the Camry started beeping at you just when you turn it off put it in park you put it in park turn it off and open the door and it just starts beeping at you as if you've left the keys in the keys but it doesn't have uh it doesn't have in ignition because the push button start so i'm just trying to figure out why it's beeping at you and you're just like did i do something wrong are the lights on it's does it beep, beep at you when you put it in reverse too um i yeah i think so uh, i'm not so 100% annoying so, sure. so many modern cars are doing that now it's almost like you the automakers have decided there needs to be an auditory warning to let you know you've actually just shifted into reverse <laughs> and the car's going to be going in reverse and i don't get it i just it's something that you can't really do accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very purposeful shift, so... Uh. Um, and then continuing with the uh, with the Sonata, I think it has more convenience features for the price. Um, it might not have the fancy head-up display or a 360-degree parking camera that the Camry has, but it does come with vented seats and a heated steering wheel, which I think are maybe a bit more useful and something you appreciate over the lifetime of the vehicle. Um, in Canada, you actually get heated rear seats as well. You have a normal armrest in the back, and the car just has more cargo space, more passenger volume, um, and uh, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay compatibility. I think it's a, a more complete package um, and something that people will really like, especially when you're paying $5,000 le- um, less than the Camry. Camry. $5,000 less? Yeah, and they get the same fuel economy. Um, yes, you get less horsepower and torque, but it doesn't feel like that. The transmission is not so, like tripping over itself when it needs to get going. Um, and I don't think it's as polarizing of a vehicle to look at inside and out. Well, it's definitely less interesting than the previous version of the Sonata. It's a very... It's um, much more reserved, yeah. It's dialed back. You know, it's interesting that we're talking about you dislike the Camry's V6 versus the four-cylinder turbo in the Sonata. Mm-hmm. How many other mid-sized sedans still offer a V6 engine? It's very few. I believe the Legacy has one. Ah, it's not a V6, though. That's a, that's oh, a flat six. Okay, well, if you, I'm sorry. I was going with six cylinders. Yeah. Um, I don't think the Malibu has one. The 200 nope, is dead. Um... You can get a twin-turbo V6 in the Ford Fusion Sport. I think you can get an Altima with a V6. Really? I think you can still get an a Altima. 3.5? Okay, that so. makes sense. Yeah. yeah so that's that's a short list. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that was the aspirational model. It was like, bam, you got the V6, you're, you're living high on the hog. You know, the V6 had replaced the V8. Yeah. It used to be the aspirational model, and soon they're just... 
I mean, Toyota is not really into turbocharging. <laughs> no, not at all. It's they a, have just one turbocharged engine, I think, or uh, in their oh no, maybe two. A 2.0 in their Lexus models? Is that the way it works? Yeah, and it's it's kind of baby steps for them in terms of embracing that across the Oh, wait, the board. and a V6 turbo, uh, V6 in, the, turbo. in the new LS. Okay, yeah. So um, they're, it's really not, you know, at, compared to Hyundai or Honda, which has kind of really gone into it whole hog. I mean, the Accord, yeah. the Accord would have been the previous analog to the Camry. And the V6 is completely gone, so it's uh, the, the Camry's kind of standing alone with this, and um, it's possible that in order for them to hit both their fuel mileage and their power targets, they had to kind of fool with the power band to the point where you're no longer as comfortable with it as you would be in a turbo four. Yeah, like I said, this car, it's not that the Camry is bad uh, or anything like that. It just doesn't feel as complete of a package. It doesn't feel as refined as the Sonata. And the Sonata is a is an older generation product. It is now a refresh. So it had time to take a look at what they got and make it um, re- and modernize it really well and smooth it all out all the issues that, that it had in the past. And I think they did a really, really good job of that. So do you think that either of these cars are compelling enough to lure people away from SUVs? I do think so. I honestly do. And I don't know why, because um, I the only thing that would that would strike me is that they're long, they're like long lasting nameplates. People have had Sonatas and Camrys for decades. Um, and uh, I don't think the Santa Fe in regards to the Hyundai has ever has had as stellar of a reputation as the Sonata, and I don't I don't know if the same could be said about the I mean the Rav4 has been around for a long time, but I think the Camry just has more of that um, prestige or that feeling of of you know brand recognition. That. You would you would think that, and yet both of these cars are are losing significant market share. Are they outsold by the by their by a single model or by the rest of them? the the? I don't have the exact oh, numbers. Okay in terms of single models, but I can tell you that they're, they're, both of these cars are no longer selling at the same level that they used to. Okay, well, I mean, the Camry had gotten a little stale, so that now this is a brand new car, and I, I think we're going to start seeing, maybe that should be picking up real soon. And the Sonata, it just received a mid-size refresh. But you're right. I remember when the last generation Sonata, I think it must be 7th gen, maybe I'm, I'm not sure what the what the actual number on it is. But the one that you and I were talking about, really wild-looking, fluidic, design and everyone was like wow that's a hot car uh and it made a really bold statement for for hyundai that one sold exceptionally well um in in the united states and then when they introduced the more reserved looking smoothed out model uh immediately after uh the the sales numbers really dropped off so i wonder if people had bought the uh, the sonata the that previous generation sonata because it was such a wild departure from other mid-sized sedans which were really bland and boring so I just took a look at the Camry's sales numbers, and um, from 2015 to 2016, there was a drop of almost 60,000 units. Wow. Okay, but these are are these cars that sold 300,000 units in a year in the U.S.? No, these are the, so in the U.S. the Camry was doing 430,000 a year. Whoa, that's and it still was a ton of cars. It's still a car, and then it went it went down to 388. And if you look at 2017 year to date, mm-hmm. they're only at 282. So wow. with two, with, with, I mean, I'm assuming these reports are, yeah. they're only up to the third quarter, right? Yeah. So that gives you another four months for the Camry to sell another hundred thousand to meet yeah. last year's sales. I don't think it's going to do that. I don't think you can do that either, but so that's, that's, that's shocking to me because this is a good car. 
It is a good car. I, like I said, it's a bit expensive, and you don't get everything that you might be asking for. I would probably be more comfortable in the XSE model or the four-cylinder models. Um, I think that maybe they spent a little bit more time refining those cars over the um, the, the more meaty segment of the of that. Uh, sorry, the more meaty section of that segment than these higher end V6 models. I don't think I really, I really like the hybrid too. I thought the Camry hybrid was Oh yeah, I can't wait to drive that. That has uh, from what it's rated at, it has some serious fuel economy numbers. Look, looking again at uh, the RAV4, I just pulled up the numbers on that. So in 2014 they sold 267,000 RAV4s. Last year they sold 350,000. And this year alone, the RAV4 is already outselling the Camry by almost 30,000 units. Wow. It's at 300 it's at 312,230. I don't I don't want to talk about the RAV4 because we haven't driven it recently, but if you have driven it, have, I have. You have. I've driven yes. it. I don't think it's a good I don't think it's a good crossover. I I like it. Um I think it's I don't think it does anything at the top of its class. But it doesn't need to. I think it's a very <laughs> No, but because it, it's look, the RAV4 has never been exciting. It's always been reliable, big inside. And uh, reasonably comfortable. And I again, another vehicle where I think the hybrid is the best buy in that in that family. I think it's 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 more powerful. It's smoother to drive. You get I don't really care too much about the fuel efficiency, but I just think the overall execution is better. But uh, I recommend the Rav4 to people who aren't really interested in driving and just want a reliable car that's comfortable and has a decent interior volume. I recommend the the both the CRV and the CX-5 over that um, Rav4, and I think yeah, I might CX-5. I... The CX-5. The only problem about the CX-5 is it's stiff and doesn't have as much cargo space, but it is a really upscale vehicle um, in the higher trim levels. The problem I have with the CX-5 is the problem I have with every Mazda. If you start looking at the instrument panel, you realize how out of date things are in that okay. car. Yeah, you I, have I that you. that single LC single color LCD display. You have um, not really the infotainment system is a, a cut below most of the rest of the market. Um, not, not that the RAV4 is exciting in terms of its infotainment, but I do feel it's it's a little bit easier to use. You don't have to use a dial. And it's anyway. Actually, um, now that you bring it up, the new Camry has ditched all of that ancient, um, most of that ancient stuff, the 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 really legacy looking stuff. There's no like ugly uh, digital LED clock in like you know do you remember <laughs> the, the Corolla like, clock. Yeah, the Corolla like, clock. almost every car had one of these gimpy, ugly clocks that they got. Gimpy. From. They're they're atrocious. They look like from the, the out of the nineties. And I'm like, why do you have that in there? But now the Camry doesn't have that. It has a very nice gauge uh, gauge cluster and that head-up display I mentioned. The knobs also look good. The shift knob is no longer just like a stick with a with a knob on the top of it. It has like a shift boot and looks like really attractive. Um, so they've really like smoothed out those issues. Um, that have previously made the car look a little um, out of date. You know, it's so I'm going to swing the conversation away from our Camry Sonata comparison to talk about. Uh, so this is a rare week where I've actually driven three different cars, mm. and um, that third look at you car in the dream, three life. I dream. know it's, it's uh, three uh, car, sorry, three car, three car life. Man, I'm I'm losing. Three li- I like three life dream though. <laughs> three life dream sounds like a K-pop band. That's like just about to break into North America. Coming up next on Star Search, Three Life Dream, and it's like nine guys. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a three life dream. Um, um, but yeah, so, three car life. Let's talk about that. So I haven't had it for very long. I picked it up three days ago, and it's been raining almost every single day. Tonight's gonna be like the first dry night for the car. What is but this it's car? The, 
It's the new uh, Honda Civic Type R, the car that you love so very, very much. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say that I love, but it really surprised me. I hate it when a car lives up to the hype because um, it that always surprises me. That always makes me like kind of go nuts. Well, you're so, counterculture, Sammy. You live your life a quarter mile at a time, and, and things are different for you. And, and I understand that, and I celebrate that. <laughs> and uh, I also kind of feel like resisting the hype from time to time. But um, while I haven't really been able to push the car hard because of the wet, cold pavement, I mean, here in Montreal, it's, it's, it's you know, maybe 10 degrees above freezing most of the time uh, this past week. So if you if if I hammer on the car, it, I get wheel spin and wheel hop right away, and that could be a function of tires. I'm not going to ding the car for that because of the temperatures. But um, a couple of things that did really really impress me about the car: the transmission is so good. It's so smooth. How did they it's, do that? I don't know. It's amazing. It's like you go from like a WRX to this car, <laughs> and you're just like, wow. It's like it, the difference in in um, just how the, the the throws on the the shifters the six speed mm-hmm. they're so much shorter than in the wrx and they're smooth or the sti they're like, slick. they're like it mean it feels like a digital gear change it's, it, yeah it's a, it's a totally natural movement yeah. and also the clutch is excellent i, I haven't stalled the car once mm-hmm. uh i know that uh, oh mr mr auto journalist doesn't stall cars you know what i stall cars semi-regularly because Clutches, you have different yep. uh, take-up points. Everything you, you change different cars every week. Yeah, yeah, and and you you get used to something that's not going to work in the next car. But what I'm saying is, in a in a high-performance front-wheel drive turbocharged car, there's a bunch of things working against having mm-hmm. reasonably smooth clutch engagement. And the the Civic just makes it all work. Even when you're in R mode, which I'm almost always in, mm-hmm. because I really like the throttle response in that mode. Mm-hmm. There's, there's comfort, there's sport, and there's R. Comfort is fine, but it's a little bit laggy on the throttle. Um, in R, it just the car feels natural when I'm driving it, and it really shouldn't because this is a, this is like the definition of computer car, right? Right. Like this is this is an insulated. We've got more than 300 horsepower going to the front wheels, so we're gonna have to get creative type of car. It's mm-hmm. it's the Mazda Speed Three in the modern era. Yeah. And the Mazda 3.3 is notorious for torque steer and for having to – like it has its own way that you need to you need to live with. And this yeah, car and does I don't, not have that. Now, does, this, does the tip – does the Type R – so the Mazda Speed 3 would pull torque in the first three gears, I believe. Yeah. Um, does the Type R do that? How does it manage the power? I've never heard that. Speed? I know it has a trick limited slip differential up front that, uh, that handles that a bit better. Because, I, I mean, I'm encountering a lot of wheel spin, but it's because of the wet, not because of the car. So I, I haven't been able to – I haven't gotten into any nice driving roads yet. That's that's kind of this weekend's project. But uh, the car, honestly, um, those two elements, I'm, I'm impressed. The steering also feels better than it should. Uh, it doesn't necessarily feel natural, but it feels um, competent. I don't worry about where the front wheels are on the car. I kind of feel like I have a bit of communication. Mm-hmm. And for an electric power steering system on a front-wheel drive car, that I'm I'm happy with that. A, cu- a couple of things I don't like. Everything about how it looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a couple of things I don't like. Everything about the way it looks. <laughs> like, I just I feel fact, absurd driving it around. No, I, I feel I felt the same way. I like I kept saying I need to have a plastic bag, like a paper black bag over my head, so that no. Nobody recognized me in this thing because I and again, feel obnoxious. Go, I feel like a, well, you know, going back to like the the STI, even though it has that giant wing, I don't feel that way about the car. And maybe it's just because I'm more used to it. Or even the Focus RS doesn't make me feel like 
like I'm about to be arrested for like doing burnouts. But this car is just everyone's staring at me. People are talking to me about it from balconies when I park it, and and you know, are they really? Because I had, I mean, I didn't have somebody talking to me from a balcony, but I had at least three people in different intersections take photos of the car. Yeah, I had a guy talk to me today about it, and I told him that straight up it looks ridiculous. Like, it's just – and it has the three-exit exhaust. I yep. mean, come on. There's just, there's just so much happening with the car. It's like a J.C. Whitney catalog exploded <laughs> in the designer's sketch studio, and then they were like, just keep it. We love it. Put more put more chrome and stuff on it. Does it need more fake vents? Is there a vent on the roof? Why isn't there a vent on the roof? Okay, um, so it has the three-exit exhaust. Have you heard this car? Do you hear this car? Yeah, I do hear it. And what do you hear? What does it sound like? I don't know. Is it fake? <laughs> it I'm assuming it's fake. It doesn't sound like anything. The car doesn't sound like it has no noise. It has No, I hear. I hear noise. Uh, it I has don't know. intake noise, and that's it. Well, you can't hear noise over the crazy dub Jamaican reggae music First you all, listen to Soka? at all times. <laughs> it's Soka. You got to you got to take <laughs> take it easy. Jeez. <laughs> I don't know how anyone within a 5 block radius hears anything when you're driving by. Uh, but if you want to talk about stereo systems, which I do, the, the, it's terrible. It's really bad. I don't know if the people before me had blown the speakers, but I'm getting like not necessarily rattling, just that kind of the sound like there's a there's a tinfoil r- crinkling in the speakers oh, when oh. I when I'm listening to music, and and it has the horrible um, slider touch control for yeah. the stereo system's volume, which every time I reach over to the center stack, I end up adjusting the temperature in the car <laughs> and not the volume of the car. So that's unfortunate, but that's that's kind of a Honda thing. It's not unique to the Type R. Uh, what about the seats? Are you okay with the seats? They're okay. I mean, I'm trying to lose some weight, so like, I'm not going to ding the seats too much. It's it's more of a me problem than a okay. Honda problem. They look good, that's right. for sure. And uh, yeah, the car, the car. A lot of people are interested in it. Everyone's looking at it. Um, yeah, it's, it's which, definitely the new hotness this year. Which kind of sucks because then they see me in it, and I'm like, no, nah, this is not my car. This I would never own this car <laughs> yeah. because of how it looks. Like, it's, like it's, is it a good car? And you're like, oh, it's great, but I would never get one because it's it tough. Looks it's ridiculous. it's tough. Yeah, you got to divorce the car's performance from the car's appearance, and that's unfortunate for Honda. I don't know. If the demographic they're aiming for wants it to look like this, it's really hard to tell because, like, there's so much pent-up enthusiasm for the Type R that people are going to buy it no matter what it looked like. Like, it could look like a base, like, DX from the 90s, and people would be like, yeah, I want to pay 20 grand over a sticker for that car, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's like the Ford Raptor of compact sedans, that's or hatchbacks. It's like that's what it is. But the Raptor's cool. What are you talking the about? Raptor the Raptor is, is so cool. Kidding? It looks bad. The Raptor, the Raptor is violating everyone it drives by. No. Just that. it's just so in your face. And no, man, I'm sorry. I, I'm not feeling the talk of vibe. All from right. The Raptor. Um, but I do like that we agreed on the transmission and uh, and just how you know smooth and natural that this car feels. It was such a surprise. Um, and, uh, I'm excited to hear your thoughts, uh, later when you drive it a little bit more, um, on some dry roads. When I drive, when I race for pinks tonight, yeah. I'll let you know. <laughs> I think that's everything we've got this week. What are you up to next week? Uh, next week I am sticking around home, but I am picking up a Nissan 370Z and I'm going to do a comparison article with my own, uh, Datsun Z because no one's tired of hearing me talk about my Datsun. No, not at all. Um, I, on the other hand, will be heading over to Stuttgart to check out the new Mercedes AMG GLC 63. AMG GLC 63. Are there? There was one vowel there. 
Yep. Um, that's uh, the very powerful um, iteration of the GLC uh, compact crossover, and I'm very much looking forward to driving that. So I will. Are you gonna be Are you gonna be driving it on the track or off road? I or don't have deal? all of those details. I don't think that we will be driving it on a track. It is a crossover. I don't know if we should be driving it on the track, but I think we'll probably be driving it on um, some unrestricted highways, hopefully. Okay. Um, but that's it well, for that... this week's podcast. What were you going to add there, Ben? I wasn't going to add anything of importance. So now I'm going to say if you want to hear more podcasts, you can easily do that by going to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And you can also find us on iTunes and Google Play Music and a bunch of other podcast sites that have slowly been adding us over the course of the past year. There's so many of them now, it's hard to name them all. Mm -hmm. But chances are you can find us if you want to find us. Yeah, and uh, not only that, you can also get in touch with either Ben or I on Twitter. Um, I prefer to be contacted through Twitter. I think it's a very fun social way to do it. I promise I won't just start sending you memes or anything like that. You can reach me at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing at me or like the several times that I've done in this podcast. And you can reach Ben at Hunting Benjamin. You can reach me if you choose to not believe Sammy's lies that he won't send you memes. Oh, I might send you some memes. We're also on Facebook, too. It's Unnamed Automotive Podcast on Facebook. We update the page with pictures and stuff of what we're driving. So if you want to have a, if you want to add some visuals to these voices, that's probably the best way to do it. Uh, UnnamedAutomotivePodcast.com also has a few blog entries where you can see pictures of what we're driving. And we also link to the reviews of the vehicles that we've driven for past episodes or existing episodes. So if you want to go more in-depth on all of these cars we've talked about, go to the website and you'll find links there so you you can do that perfect thank you so much for listening and ben thanks for your time talking to me about this accent and this micra and this type r this is going to be um i think this is going down as one of the better podcasts that's for sure you're so very welcome sammy and it's kind of you to lie yeah have a great have a great night everybody take care <laughs>